Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When you hear a conversation about labor and labor shortages here in the U.S., you'll hear a common refrain. Nobody wants to work anymore. Something that's frustrating about the statement that people don't want to work anymore is that it shifts the blame off of organizations and onto individuals. There are almost 10 million open jobs nationwide. Getting to the why, it can be complicated. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. I got a release in my inbox yesterday from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that detailed the country's labor shortages. I mentioned the 10 million open jobs, but the chamber says there are only 6 million unemployed workers. So even if all of those folks got a job, we'd still be 4 million workers short. What's going on here? We know our workforce is aging. Nearly one in four workers is 55 years or older, and we see fewer younger adults coming into the workforce to replace them, just in terms of our birth rates declining over the years. Also, the number of people that we unfortunately lost in this country during the COVID-19 pandemic, we had over a million deaths. Many of those people are in the workforce and are no longer with us. Another thing we're seeing is employees demanding more from their organizations, unfortunately not getting it. So a lot of the, the salaries are Hourly wages that are being offered to potential employees just aren't simply enough for people to live on and support a family. So instead of working, we might see people staying home to take care of their children because they can't afford childcare with the salary that they're being offered. That right there is the voice of Dr. Caitlin Dembski. She is a professor of management in the School of Business Administration at Oakland University. The U.S. Chamber release I mentioned earlier addresses that childcare issue. The Chamber Foundation's research showed that in five states surveyed, almost $3 billion in annual income was lost due to breakdowns in childcare systems. $3 billion in just five states. Dr. Dembski mentioned COVID. She tells me the pandemic also played a part in the way people think about their work-life balance. Though she does point out that COVID did not start that, it just accelerated the thought process. I think for many employees and you know, people of working age, I think that that is true, that a lot of people had the time to reevaluate their values and what was really important to them. We know even prior to COVID that employees were becoming more focused on work-life balance and being able to care for themselves and their families. And I think the COVID-19 pandemic 
really increased people's focus on that, what was important to them. I think another thing we see is that at the beginning of the pandemic, there was really this sense that, you know, we're all in this together. Employees, especially those essential frontline workers, continued to work. And then as the pandemic drug on, we saw the organizations kind of stepping back support for the employees while still making record profits. And so I think there is some pushback or some frustration on employees' parts that that they would like a share of that outcome as well. And it's not just academics that are noticing this. The next voice you'll hear belongs to Andy Chapman. Andy is from the Hometown Restaurant Group. They operate Ferndale Dine and Drink spots like One-Eyed Betty's, Public House, Tiger Lily, My Tiki, and Pops Italian. This is a company that needs a lot of employees. The people in the service industry that were really competent, that were really kind of good at what they did, always had another, like, life. When COVID hit, I think that a lot of people that had the ability to not work in the service industry and try to find something, there's, you know, better paying jobs. I think that there's a lot of people that are very, you know, respectful. There's a lot of people that look down on service workers, and they shouldn't be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it takes a special person and a high motor function to be able to be a good server or work in the back. You have to be a multitasker, all those things. And I think that it was kind of like a talent trade that I've seen. We kind of wondered where everybody went. We started this podcast wondering aloud about a common refrain. Is it true that people just don't want to work anymore? I put that to our professor of management, Dr. Dembski. How do we approach the question or the issue or the thought of people don't want to work anymore? It seems really vitriolic, and maybe it isn't, but the way people use it, it's usually kind of weaponized. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think something that's frustrating about the statement that people don't want to work anymore is that it shifts the blame off of organizations and on to individuals. And really what we should be thinking about is why, what is it about the organizations or our social systems that are either forcing people out of the workforce or discouraging them from taking job opportunities. What can we be doing in our workplaces in terms of increasing compensation and benefits to help attract people to those organizations? Also, what can we be doing from a systemic societal level to help support people continue in the workforce, whether that be affordable childcare, addressing transportation issues? Dr. Dembski mentioned an aging workforce. Andy, our restaurant manager, says that engaging with the younger workforce can be challenging. We want servers and waitresses, but sometimes we just get people that are just order takers. And it's getting them to engage. I think the younger people have a harder time having those conversations, having those moments. I really do think it's technology. I think it's because they're so programmed just to text. They like that passive way of communication where, like, when you're a server, you have to, like, engage, you know what I mean? And we haven't seen that yet. I'm not saying that it will never happen. I think they just got to get worked in. They have to find their kind of place. But it's it's just constantly trying to get them where they need to be. I did wonder about the gig economy. You know, DoorDash drivers, Etsy sellers, and others like them. 
Are they having an effect on sectors like the service industry? Yeah, I think for a certain portion of the population we're talking about, there has been a shift. I mean, the gig economy is definitely relevant here. People turn to those types of jobs like driving for Uber or doing deliveries for Amazon so that they have more flexibility in their own schedules. They can work the hours that they're able to and more when they are able to and less when they can't, not necessarily working in traditional nine to five jobs. We still see with the gig economy, though, some of those same challenges in terms of employees being able to make a living wage and often not receiving benefits when they are working in those gig economy jobs. So it's not necessarily a solution for the employees that may have shifted to that type of work. When workers think about the balance between their job and their personal lives, the experience they have at work is a big part of that. Andy told me that the folks at Hometown Restaurant Group work to make their jobs as fun as possible. But he also tells me that part of this is on the customer, too. I think that everybody should work at a restaurant at some point in their life because you are able to see the whole gamut of people. All these different cross-sections of society it really kind of gives you a good look at it, you know. And I think, too, it just, like, gives you a little bit more empathy towards the people that work in it instead of the people that are just so aghast by, I don't understand why they can't get my order right. You don't know what's going on. There might be, like, the whole kitchen might be burning down, you know what I mean? Ticket times are having a crazy time because something broke or a whole, like, tray of something fell on the floor and they have to prep. I think it gives you more empathy. I think that like shows like they are really show the chaos that ensues at a really popular restaurant on a really popular day, like a Saturday. Listing problems without solutions is just complaining, and that doesn't help anybody. So what's next? How do we make sure that places like the service industry can maintain? You know, I was talking to a guy that manages a bunch of restaurants in Oakland County, and he's like, we need to pay our workers more. I understand that. But then when I get our wholesaler bill, it's higher because of inflation. And then when I go to hand the check to the customer, which is higher, they get mad. How do we help everybody keep others employed? When we start thinking about these bigger questions, we need to start getting involved at the state level, the national level to help provide resources for especially these small businesses that are trying to keep their employees employed without drastically increasing costs for their customers because it is a definitely, as you say, a large scale issue in terms of costs rising. So we do need to be thinking about how can we provide resources for these businesses at a higher level and not just, again, shifting it to the individual level of individual business owners. Is it true that nobody wants to work anymore? I don't know. I can't speak for every adult on the planet. Maybe it's just that people don't want to work at jobs where they're underpaid and undervalued. Today's big thanks go out to Andy Chapman and Dr. Caitlin Dembski. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want that Daily J delivered right to you? Well, all you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark, and this is The Daily J.
Thanks for listening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.